שלום לכם, אנחנו בישיבת כתבים עם הרב דוקטור מיכאל. Hello and thanks for joining us on the writer's meeting with Dr. Michael Lightman. Hello. And our first item for today, smart cells. Chaim, please. שלום רב. Hello, Dr. Lightman. In an article published in Science Magazine, researchers from the University of Zurich, right, they discovered that each cell in the human body acts not only according to its external environment, namely according to the commands from the body, but also according to its internal mood, its energy level, etc. They discovered that the decision whether to divide or not depends on the combination between the factors and each cell decides for itself what is the right combination that will make it perform some action. This is how they also explain the reason why some anti-cancer drugs that are supposed to prevent cell division don't work because cancer cells decide to divide not based on a combination of external and internal considerations, but only based on what happens inside them. You already talked about the fact that not only the brain thinks in the body, but that actually every organ and every cell has its own brain. Science has also discovered this, so maybe you can explain from your perspective how you see the functioning of the body's system I don't think that well even were I to know in general about the body I can only talk about it in a pretty restricted fashion that every cell just like the The entire body has information about the entire body, otherwise it can't exist as it's, as a cell as one of the trillions of the bodies of the cell, meaning that the particular and the general they're equal, and therefore we need to understand that all the details in the body, all the cells in the body. are all in all, all in one system. They're all interconnected through many different fields, fields of energy, different kinds of ties, interconnections. Our body, all in all, is much more complicated than what we can imagine to ourselves. Mm, that's it. Were you to sum up, according to what principles does the body work? There are 10 trillion cells in the body. How does such a system function in a balanced way if each cell takes itself into consideration and its environment and the rest of the body? What are the basic principles according to which it works so that it can function properly? Their principles are the final goal that they need to reach, all the parts, all the cells. For the sake of which they exist, for the purpose of that final goal, and from that final goal, they get the managing forces, and that's how it works. It's all related to the final goal. In the wisdom of Kabbalah, it said 
The final action is in the initial thought. Until now, scientists thought that a cell acts only according to the stimulation it gets from its environment through the wall of the cell, the information that it gets uh, from the outside, and it functions accordingly. Mm, No. No, no, that's impossible. If so, then our entire body as such a complex, such a sophisticated system can't exist. So now they discovered that on the one hand there are stimulations from the outside and also the inner system inside the cell that determines for the cell what to do. My question is, you already talked about it, a long time ago. If it's something so critical that it can't exist in any other way, how is it so that they discovered it only now? Because they discover what they can discover and more correctly put what they want to discover. Want to discover. Today, there are many such revelations that we know that, yeah, it exists. But science doesn't want to talk about it. Why? Because there's no explanation. Because there's no explanation. Different forces, different things, aliens, I don't know what. No explanation. If there's no explanation, better not talk. That's what scientists think. Then we'll discover it later. When we'll get more details about it, when it will become clear, etc. Meaning, they discover what is worthwhile for them to discover. So, what I want to ask is, does the revelation that they had now, is it something that developed, or do they always act that way and we simply didn't know or don't want to discover it? Or I think that one's related to the other to the measure that they want to discover, are willing to discover, they do, and to the measure that they don't, they don't. Or to the measure they aren't, they don't. I remember uh, you said, I think, that a person discovers things according to the measure of the development of the desire in relation to revelations in the universe, something like that. Yeah, obviously. So, is there also a development in the desire and the ego of scientists that allows them to discover this new way in which cells function? Of course, scientists and society in general, the more we develop, the more capable we are, willing we are to reveal these new things, and the more capable we are of hearing these new things from scientists, from nature. Now, if cancer cells can protect themselves simply by deciding when to divide and when not to, because they examined it on cancer cells and they saw that some of the medicine doesn't work because the cell decides for itself that it wants to divide nonetheless and uh, medicine from the outside doesn't work. So how can you defeat cancer if the cells are smarter than the medicine working according to their own desire? Look, cancer, that's not only the the only problem. When we will discover that nature 
is complex and that in each and every de- detail, particle, part, there's the same wisdom as in all the parts together, then we'll start revealing the truth. But we don't know anything. Suppose in an atom, we see this is plus, this is minus, what happens between them, what happens at a distance. An atom is empty. Empty. It's like space, even more. It's like millions of light years that exist between the center of the atom and to the nearest atom that circles it. Meaning, we're simply not ready to accept things like their being on the inside, energy, wisdom, a field, not a field that we can discover, but that we can and we can enter it. But we have to, we have to think about it, about these things differently. We're lacking, how to put it, we're lacking the right approach to this micro world. What is the right approach? that we will start preparing ourselves as to how to restrict ourselves, divide ourselves such that we enter, we permeate the atom, its nucleus, between its spars, the protons, neutrons, etc., etc., that circle there, that we will be able to come closer to that picture, to live it out, to understand the purpose for which each and every detail exists for. And our approach can't be correct unless we do it with the right intention, meaning that it's all in order to discover the purpose of life, the purpose of existence, the purpose of every action because there we're coming closer and closer to the inner force of nature. What does it mean that we enter that there's a limit to which we can enter with our mechanical tools that there will need to connect to the forces of nature and from and connecting to the force of nature it's from our force to the force of nature but it's not for now in conclusion then what can we as a society in terms of our behavior relations can learn from such a research, from such conclusions. Ah, that's okay. We need to build ourselves and the connections, relations between us in society, like those mechanical parts, particles, atoms, molecules, the way they're interconnected in order to sustain ourselves and to give each other the best possible, most convenient form of existence for each other. Okay. 
we'll get back to it. Okay, thank you. Moving on to our next item. Right and left, and is there an, is it possible to connect them? Hello? The fifth election in less than four years is coming up here in Israel. It said that in Israel there are now three main factions, the right, the left, and the desperate. But uh, this situation actually reflects a deeper problem that's more relevant than ever. So we want to ask... What is it about the people of Israel that pushes them to one election after another? It's clear to everyone that what brings governments down is division. Is it division in the people or in the government? It's in the people, in the government, and everywhere and in every direction. Were the the nation more connected, the government would change, or the other way around? One depends on the other. They're interdependent. What's actually the difference between a division in the nation and a division in the country, in the government? A division in the nation is really the biggest problem. And a division in government, it's to the extent that the nation, the people allow the government to be divided and play around with what we call politics. We already know that once the election propaganda will begin, each side will want to unite the people, but in practice, they'll only create more separation. Let's banish those, let's do this, let's do that. Why does everyone promise connection, unity? They promise it in order to succeed in the elections, and they state a clear lie, that it's clear to everyone that it's a lie. You know, once someone came to me and he told me, I can give a billion shekels for the elections. Can you tell me that you're going to succeed, you're going to win, you're going to make it if I give it to you? I told him, I don't play around these things. I'm not engaged in it. I have no interest in it. Meaning it all depends on money. It all depends on propaganda. We see soon, we'll see it in the papers and here and what yes, what not. I don't think that it's something that we need to play. There's nothing about it. It's all fixed. And it's a shame that later on they sell out the country to not only the parties and people. They sell off the country piece by piece. Why the slogan of unity? Do they feel that it strums on some sensitive string in the Jewish or Israeli heart? True, you're right. You're right. Because it's something very sensitive to the Jewish ear. That's why they say what they say. Really? No one cares about no one. Nothing to add here. 
I so much hate talking about these things that it's all such a lie. And in Israel, precisely, it is the stinkiest and most blunt lie. Is there a spiritual root to the war between the right and left among the people of Israel? Sure. What is it? Difference in opinion that each thinks that he's right. In nature, we especially have two forces that are opposed to each other. And these two forces, it's important for them to continue existing. Yeah. If one force exists, why shouldn't there be opposite another one? Give me an example where there's just one of something without the other. So the question is, is there really a chance of connecting between the right and left? Uh, in Israel, among the people of Israel, no, no, no chance. Why? Why should they agree? Why would they agree? Then one needs to accept the opinion of the other, or the other to accept the opinion of the first, or that both of them come to some kind of a happy middle. What for? What does each of them gain as a result? Well, maybe we'll reach a state that will be able to sustain a government here. They don't care about that. They care about, I shall rule. So we always say that it's not the opinions which is what separates between us because it's okay that there's right, it's okay that there's left, but the hate, the relations, the attitude between the sides. Theoretically, suppose the right and left were to start respecting, appreciating each other, trying to reach some kind of understanding. Eventually, how is it possible to take a decision? How do you realize the connection then? We lack the culture, the experience, and in general, in the Israeli society, it's impossible. We're very opposed, and no one will allow the other to succeed. But suppose, in an ideal state, what happens when two sides that are really opposed do try to come closer? A new field is created, some force that helps them. What happens there that at some point, because the connection will have to happen sometime in the future, that can be only on condition that between them, there is an agreement that is above both of them, that the people feel that they need to reach a common decision and respect it, and the nation can apply pressure on both sides and force them to. It never happened in the among the people of Israel, I don't think that it will happen in the future after 
many problems and troubles that will appear, then we will be able to approach the elections in that way. So you see that at the end of the day, the nation, they're supposed to force the leader to come to some kind of agreement. It'll come only from the nation, from the people. Of course, it's the nation that needs to decide. But the nation itself, what does it care? They're also playing around with it, like little kids in the backyard. And then there's some kind of additional force that aids the right and the left to come out of their entrenchment. Of course, that force is money. Because respect you already have there. But when also money is involved, then everyone starts to move in that direction. The upper force does not help the connection. No. There is no help because we don't feel we're not asking for the help. We're not acting in order to connect. Were we to be inspired, to, to be impressed by the lack of connection between us and we'd pray for the Creator, the upper force to connect us, then that's something else than the entire system of elections, the entire election campaign, the entire process would be something else. First, to come closer to it, uh, each of the people of Israel needs to be willing to step on his ego just a bit. It's a necessary part in the process, of course, because then the field that we need to build between us is conceding the ego. And what grows in that new area? Vitor. Concession, connection, completion. Well, afterwards, it's love too. Moving on to our next topic. The Antelena affair is still among us. Uh, Previously, you said that before the nation of Israel is canceled by the nations of the world, before it happens in matter, it happens in spirit, as a result of our separation, etc. You said that the deteriorating situation of Israel today is the same Antalena affair that is growing ever stronger among us. Right. So, how do you see what kind of implications do you see today from the affair of the Antalena from back then? First of all, right and left that are growing stronger and stronger against each other. That they connect money and honor and power to it and force. Even the military, the army becomes a part of it. And therefore, the nation feels itself as having no right, no left, no nothing. It is entirely so separated that I don't know what to tell you. You can buy anything. Right to have some kind of a 
box. You know, a bottomless barrel, so to speak. Then, of course, I would succeed in any election and I build country and everything. You only need money. All of us are willing to sell ourselves off through the media, through everything, simply to know how to build an election campaign and you succeed. So that everything's fixed, that the state of Israel is selling it off piece by piece. It is a, what does it symbolize, show that we're giving up the country. We're giving up our territories. We're giving up everything. So the ideology is dead if it's all money. Of course. And what what's growing stronger between us since the Antalena affair? What's that initial wound that's growing all the time? We stopped, and you know when that was. We stopped appreciating our connection above anything and everything. I'm trying to understand the separation that started in Antalena, how was that different than the separation from 2,000 years ago in the temple where we separated. That's where it continues from. So what did Antalena give? What did it add? That for the sake of the existence of the state of Israel, even for the sake of the existence of the state of Israel, they did not agree to connect with each other. If it's not like me, then it won't be at all. If it's not my way. That's what Begin said back then. Okay, we're conceding. Was there an opportunity to correct the separation that happened during the Antalena affair. On the one hand, yes. On the one hand, no. I'm not getting into it. I also don't want to relate everything to one side or the other. I'm simply trying to understand why 74 years down the line this affair is still influencing us. Because we're still in it. We're still in mutual hate between right and left. And no one's coming closer to the other. And that's going to grow and the separation between us. Yeah. What's the end? What's the end point? What's expected, I can't say. Could be that there will be eventually the recognition of evil, but that is closer to the end of correction. Closer to the end of correction, only then. Yeah, yeah, until then, this rift will only go and grow, split. It's a big problem. Hate within the people of Israel is something that happened all throughout history. Were Begin not to 
called for a ceasefire, maybe then we would have fallen into a deeper war between brothers. Of course, we'd kill each other to the last soldier. Years later, Begin said that two factors then saved the people of Israel from the disaster, brotherly love and political truth. Well, he put it in pretty words. Yeah, but really, it's his concession is what saved the day. What's missing today, actually, in order to correct the flaw of the Antalena? To be as smart as Begin was, to be as resilient as he is, we don't have neither from the right nor from the left any person that is approaching the correct qualities. So where, where, where will it come from? Yeah? True, that's what they say. Therefore, we exist the way we do. Someone, some kind of spirit holds us up, keeps us. So is it possible to acquire such qualities, nurture such qualities among us? This is something you need to tell yourself. You're the head of writers. No, I mean, I want for this quality of stability to be in the nation. You can't. You have to nurture it. Otherwise, how will it come? You know, Begin was a special person. No, it's not only that he was a special person. It's the spirit. It's a spirit, real. It's that he understood that the connection of the nation is above everything. So what kind of spirit needs to now spread in the nation in its current broken state? Now we need to, like always, talk only about connection. We're in the period of the three weeks called Ben HaMetzarim that symbolizes the spiritual destruction of the people of Israel. Can you, can you, can you depict a moment of where the people of Israel awaken toward connection? No, I don't see such an awakening. It's gradually out of necessity, out of the need to exist and not to die for the sake of the children. Are we willing to cease fighting and start thinking how to come closer to each other? But that's really under existential threat. Not of the state of Israel. You know, they'll leave this entire territory without a problem, but under a corporeal existential threat. Isn't there some kind of optimistic picture where you see the nation connecting, returning to its root? No. In the meantime, no. We're not getting closer to it. We need to yet go through the recognition of evil. What will be the recognition of evil? That unless we connect, we die. And what does such a recognition depend on? On the inner development of the nation. We're deaf. We're foolish. We can't understand this principle 
on the same level as our evils on our ego. Really, that each says, prick, prick out one of my eyes, but prick out two of his. Why does the creator, why is the creator so, why does he, you know, want for the Jewish people to do it? Maybe there's a different nation that can do it. No, no. It's a law. It's an unbreachable law. If we don't keep the law, if we don't mean it, meet it, then we'll continue this way for another million years. For the creator, there's no time. It's not that he doesn't have time, but that there is no time. The concept of time does not exist. So he's not despaired of the people of Israel. It's not a matter of despair for him. He has a condition. If you want it, as it says, it's no dream. It's no legend. If not, then we'll wait for another million years. Next item, uh, self-hate in the University of New York. Yeah, a group of students, faculty, and teachers at the City University of New York organized a university program that teaches Zionism but from the negative perspective. The group also calls for the wholehearted adoption of the BDS boycott against what they call the Israeli state of settlers, colonialism, and apartheid. 20 of 36 signatures in favor of the anti-Zionist plan come from Jews. What do you think about this? Why only 20? This I don't get. Always, all throughout history, the greatest anti-Semites were Jews. Yeah. So it's no wonder. Why are you not surprised? I'm not surprised, and I'll tell you further. Just understand how I see these things. To be a Jew means to be anti-nature in order to bestow love another as yourself, love the Creator your God, hate your ego. All these things are inverted, the opposite to what exists in us. The Creator created us the opposite of how He wants for us to be. So what can we do? There's nothing you can do. They want for me to invert myself, what? to be the opposite of myself. I'm willing to kill myself. But to make the opposite of myself, this I can't. That's it. And therefore, we have no choice. We are in our nature, and certainly we hate 
anything that is related to Jews, to Israel, to anything that is the opposite of our nature. It's natural that I hate it. Therefore, I seriously said, why only 20 from the 30-something are Jews? Why not 100% of their being Jews there yelling, yeah, yeah, I have to hate Judaism and Jews and everything. And of course, the greatest anti-Semites will always be Jews because they feel how opposite they are of what they're demanded to be. They hate it and can't get out of it. It is not a contradiction. Of course, they're, they have, they're living with a, an enormous inner contradiction. They want to get out of their own skin and can't. And those that aren't Jews, they, uh, whoever is not a Jew doesn't have an inner split. Doesn't. He's in peace with himself. If it's bad, it's bad. If it's good, it's good. But it doesn't matter. But this is who he is. No one is in the same state as Jews are that they have the on the inside this 50-50. It's because they have a special role. This is all philosophy. I'm talking about what every Jew practically feels inside himself. And then he runs away to one side that he wants to be anti-Jewish, that at least to some extent to feel himself normal, whole. And, ah, it doesn't work out. It's uh, He's not let to. We see how many such people were throughout history. So he becomes an anti-Semite. He becomes what not. He's against himself, against his nation, against everything. And it doesn't help him. It does not help him. He is really forever, and he's split forever. And, you know, poor guy. Poor guy. Or we need to explain them this entire situation and say, you have no choice. You need to come to us, to the other side. Not from the point of view of you uh, starting to hate Jews and then you see as being a Jew. Come to us as a 100% Jew, not 50-50. And then you will reach your wholeness and perfection. So, there is this inner split, the inner contradiction. But why is there such cruel hate among certain Jews, even crueler than what we get from our enemies. They want to uproot this split at any cost. They think that by it, the people of Israel, like they wanted to do several times in history for the people of Israel to be like all other nations, so that there won't be religion or anything else, that they'll disperse 
and dissolve in some nation and finish with their uniqueness that way. And we see that it's impossible because it is against the law of nature. And what can you do? You can go flow with the law of nature that I make the Jew in me stand out teaching him what he needs to be and that's what I show to myself and everyone this is what it means to be a Jew so what kind of syllabus should there be instead of teaching against Zionism what should we study teach what we teach what does it mean to be a Jew? It's love another as yourself and then love the Creator, your God, for all of humanity, for all of reality, and that's how we will reach the completion of reality. This means to function as a Jew. Every Jew has this inner split? To some extent, yes. What's the difference between the types of Jews? Well, it's from zero to almost from almost zero to almost a hundred percent that each feels himself split. That he wants to be like the nations of the world and can't escape who he is. So a Kabbalist, someone who's an attainment, how does he feel this inner split inside of him? No, he already feels it differently because he feels it as a kind of, how do you call it? It's something that he needs to keep, a drive, an inclination, what, that he has a role, that he has vocation. Yeah, I suppose vocation. the group of Abraham for example they decided to be that way and from them and on people are only born into it I'm born to be a Jew discover that's that's how I am where's my choice today they had no choice either what choice there's no choice it all comes from the spiritual root We're already in a state where the role of being a Jew is something that gradually, through through our dissemination, eventually it has to shift from a state where it needs to shift from a human state to a spiritual state. Meaning that not because he was born from a Jewish mother or a Jewish father and that's why he's a Jew, but he's born a Jew because he's brought up, taught, raised to be a Jew. And love another as yourself. And whoever publicizes this is a Jew. Okay, beautiful. Thank you very much. Good luck to you. All the best.